this is probably <laughs> therapy. Uh, <laughs> Did we forget sure what is. we were called? This is probably yeah, therapy. That's Kendall. I'm Ryan. Welcome. This that's is about Ryan. to get real. <laughs> it's, that's my it's, that's my serious voice. That's good. You've Thanks. been working on it. I have been. I have been. It's been, um, been like this last how long has it been? Eight, nine? I don't know, since whenever you abandoned me. Ouch. Ouch. Guys, there's been a lot of changes in the Probably Therapy family. Um, We added a member. Kind of. Ryan got married. married. (laughs) I mean, he was already kind of there, but now he... He's like, he's legally binding now. Yeah, he he has to stay now. Right, right. Yeah, Um, I got married in July... Which seems like a while ago, but it was four months ago, almost four months ago, right? Really? Five? Five months wait, ago? No. Five months ago. Five. I was like, wait, four months seems way too recent. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. I, I then, honestly forgot what month it was for a second. Yes. And then I abandoned Kendall because, well, I abandoned really everybody because I moved to South Carolina. So, sorry. Yeah. Truly left it's me. It's warmer here. Um, my heart is shattered. I'm still recovering. Uh, but in the words of um, what's her name? Brene Brown. No, Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> I will. I will survive. I was like, you're obviously gonna co- quote Brene Brown because why wouldn't you know me always quoting Brene Brown it's a pastime of mine really I just sometimes walk up That's... to strangers and I'm like hey have you heard of this person I don't know if you have like um, is her name is Brene I'm kind of on a first name basis with her uh spiritually connect <laughs> and I just like to I like to say things that she said it does make you feel closer to her. Yeah. 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 Which now that I say that, have you ever thought about how like quoting somebody is just saying something that they've already said? That's exactly what. Quoting that's literally is. what it is. But when you say it that way, you're like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a weird thing to, to. I mean, it just means that that it. person has said something so significant that it has stuck in your brain or like somebody has written it down for like the rest of the world the rest of the eons the legacies that will come to know I mean, you'd hope but i feel like a lot of things get quoted that are just like dumb you know it's i have like, a quote rep- i have a quote i came up with it in eighth grade are you ready i'm ready life it's such a short it's like word. a box of chocolates it's such a short word but it takes a lifetime to write that's deep probably probably take me just actually a couple seconds to <laughs> letters i mean it's like if you like if you abandon all logic then yeah it makes total sense oh oh actually this is something that my this is something that one of my best friends in college said to me all the time and it always drove me crazy he got it from another one of our friends and i don't know where he got it from but he always said to me because he'd, he'd, he'd like come up with something. He'd just say something. And I'd look at him and be like, Trevor, that doesn't make sense. And he'd look at me and be like, it makes sense if you don't think about it. 
I've heard that. Like, I feel like maybe I've heard that from you. Definitely. I have heard that before. <laughs> oh, I probably said it because it was like, I swear it was like every other sentence out of his mouth was, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Um, and it drove me crazy. But like, there you go. Yeah. That, it, that makes sense if you don't think about it. Right. You just let right. it be. It's like, oh man, wow, so deep. My eighth, my, eighth, my eighth grade self really, really felt the feels. And I even so much so that my mom painted it in my room and like even like dashed ryan like quoted me on my wall in my bedroom yeah um i wonder how that might have impacted some of those narcissistic tendencies that you struggle with <laughs> well now i have a podcast with you so here i am <laughs> with all of our adoring fans with all of, uh, look at that full circle back to the podcast so today today um we're gonna ease back into the podcast um and so our topic today is going to be trauma right nice easy ease right. back in yep. light simple very light you know if you know you'll 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 leave listening to this podcast you, i guess you don't leave it you stop listening to it you end it you you'll leave the mental space of listening to this podcast and our words there you go feeling just way way better wait just your mood will be lifted as we talk about trauma wow that's a real big goal for trauma and i feel yeah, like i don't <laughs> i don't really believe it myself so let, let's see how this goes yeah um i know why did we maybe first off why did we feel like trauma was a good topic and we actually were like like questioning like why haven't we done this before like this is i know it seems like this would be such a especially given last year it seems like this would have come up once or twice exactly um but i think it's just one of those things that when you're well i guess rewind we kind of picked it because it like you, I mean, it jumped out, right? Like we were like, oh my, like, how do we miss that? What are we doing? Right. We can't even call ourselves like mental health professionals in any way. We have to, we have to give up our licenses now, I think legally. Um, but it, it jumped out as like this very obvious, like, oh, holy smokes, we need to cover that. But also I think too, um, we, after this last year, I mean, year and a half, I guess, you know, as a, a world i guess we we've been through like this collective trauma right of, of the quarantine the isolation of being separated from each other and having to deal with kind of the ramifications of that and even still all the question marks that lie ahead of like what how is this going to impact us in our society and our ability to connect with each other and relate to each other and all those things kind of long term what is that going to look like but then too i think you know, you now transitioning to um, being sort of, uh, not sort of, being sort of, a, I keep saying sort of, being a therapist. You are a therapist. You're not sort I'm of a, a therapist. therapist. Yes. You are. Um, and you being out of the school world and me still being in the school world, mm-hmm. um, we get sort of this really broad viewpoint. Yeah. Um, on what people are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like as I work in a middle school, I would deal with, you know, preteens, teens, 
and then you work with sort of a wide age group, um, you know, some kids, teens, up to adults um, who have their own kids, um, and seeing as we're coming out of a lot of the pandemic and quarantining and people are trying to readjust and relearn how society works, all of the trauma that isn't really able to hide anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the experience of the last year and a half has really kind of highlighted or exacerbated a lot of those traumas that people were hiding or trying to cope with in different ways, healthy or unhealthy. And now that we're kind of thrown back into a world that doesn't know what it's doing, that stuff isn't able to kind of be swept under the rug or hide as much anymore. So we see it a lot more. I mean, we both see it way more than I think we ever thought we were going to so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, our understanding, right. Like as, as new therapists, we, we walked into this world post pandemic, right. As, as therapists, as school counselors. And so I think that's our understanding, but I think even like pandemic or not, there is this sense that trauma is only for people from war. Like you can only get PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. If you have been to war and been under like gunshot, like been under fire in like a warfare area. Right. And, and that's like the old school shell shock. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. where it and came I, out of. It started and there. I think there's a sure. lot of just like, um, grace given or like kind of like an open door of like no like this like anyone has experienced trauma to some degree mm-hmm. um For and sure. so I even like we have been talking about like this big big t trauma versus little t trauma and mm-hmm. I think like I wish that we could say like oh these are the things that fit in big t trauma category right like Mm-hmm. warfare sexual soul like all these like super bad like super crazy hard things mm-hmm. that's big t trauma and then all these other little things like i mean going to school for the first time and leaving your mom or you're like um you like didn't get your homework done and that was like super traumatic and the professor yelled at you like those kind mm-hmm. of things are like little t trauma right i wish i could like categorize them like that but then we have this like whole threshold right that each person has individually Mm-hmm. And those little T traumas that might be little T to you are like gigantic freaking T's to somebody else right? or vice versa. Like I have some right. clients who come in and they're, they're telling me their story and they're talking about stuff. And I'm like, holy cow. Oh my gosh. Like that is super sad. That is super scary. And they're like, oh, but like this happened, this is the real scary thing. Like, right. Oh. Like I like my threshold comes out like, okay, right. That's little T for them, even though that might be big T for me. That makes sense. Right. Like, yeah, no. And it's just that thing of like, it's, it's really helpful for us when, you know, when you work in sort of a mental health field or mental health related field, um, or honestly, even kind of the medical field, um, yeah. when you're able to broadly categorize things like trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have this sort of general idea and consensus within sort of the, the mental health community that you can very broadly separate big T and little C trauma, right? Big T is like those experiences or events that almost anybody who goes through them would be traumatized by that thing. Right. Right. And those little C traumas are those experiences that 
would might be sort of more traumatic, but at a very individual level, which is kind of what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. even that, there's so much gray area in there. So much, yeah. And and I remember, I mean, just to kind of highlight the point you were making, um, one of our professors in grad school um, was talking about trauma and the way he talked, one of the examples he gave um, was, which, you know, him and I, I guess, I think, you know, theoretically, we, we have a lot of differences on, on our approaches. But this is one thing that he mentioned where I was like, okay, like, I'm not 100% on board with some of the things you're saying. But like, this is one thing I was like, oh, wow, that really hits home. Is he gave the example of, if you think about a kid, a child, right, maybe think about like a two or three year old, right? And they're getting to that point developmentally where, you know, they're learning words and they're learning, uh, they kind of are developing uh, their own personality, right? They're becoming sort of that little human that we can interact with, we can play with, we can do activities with, and right, it becomes more of this like, oh, they can actually participate, do all that, right? So they're, they're gaining this, this ability, this, this awareness, this all those things, right? And they fall and scrape their hand and they get cut. Now to the parent looks at that and they're like, oh, it's a little cut, we'll just put a little on it, it's fine. But to the kid, that's the, maybe that's the first time they have been hurt in that way and they've seen themselves bleeding. Mm-hmm. and they don't know what's going on they have never experienced that before they don't know what the parent knows that it's a small cut and that it's it'll stop bleeding in a second and it's going to be fine and it'll heal right to that kid they're in pain they're experiencing something they've never seen or felt before and they know there's this red stuff coming out of my hand and it hurts mm-hmm. right and to the kid that's that little T trauma, right? Or maybe it's a big T trauma for that kid because that's, that's their first time going through that, right? And maybe for the parent, they're like, oh, they're concerned about their kid initially, right? So maybe there's a little bit of a little T trauma there for the parent, but very quickly they're like, ah, no, it's fine. Um, or maybe they don't have that at all. But it's just that, that difference between like, you know, for, for one person, it could be this massive thing, but for somebody else who looks at it or hears about it, they're like, oh, I don't understand why, why, you know, that, that would be so hard for you. Right. Or that wouldn't be really hard for me. I don't, I don't know. It's just different. Um, yeah, I think a yeah, lot of that everything's too. Different for people. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too, like that, I mean, my attachment focused brain goes to like, Oh, well, like it was, it was probably a little T trauma. If like the mom came over and like soothed the baby and was like, Oh, mm-hmm. like, it's fine. like, it's okay. Like you're safe. I got you. Like, let's get a bandaid. And like, it could have turned into something like more big T trauma, like made that threshold for, for trauma or like anxiety or like whatever came up after that fear. Um, if like the parent was dismissive, like, you know, get over it, like move on, rub some dirt in it, you know, whatever the case may be right. uh, for that, for that little child. Um, but that's like a whole nother tangent that I'm going down, but that's where my attachment brain goes to. Right. But I think, I think there's like a bigger premise here, like like we try to, and I think it is important at times to distinguish these thresholds to know, like as a, as a therapist, like this is my threshold for like trauma. This is how I view it. And then knowing that like very open-handedly my clients viewing that very differently. 
Um, right. And I, and I think that's aware of that and, or like my wife or my husband or my friend or my parent or whatever, my kid is viewing this very differently than me. There's a, there's right. a difference and, in that. And I think too, it, the complexity gets bigger when, I mean, going back to the example of, you know, the, the two-year-old getting a cut and experiencing that for the first time in the moment maybe it starts as a big T trauma, shrinks to a little T trauma or whatever, depending on how the parent sort of responds in that moment and is able to kind of handle that with the kid. But over time, the kid learns, oh no, like it's fine, I'll be okay. And after a few more times of something like that happening, it's not a traumatic event at all, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you think about, if you get a paper cut, you're just mad about it, you're not traumatized right? You're just annoyed. But think about that experience. And man, what if, what if it, we're not talking about a, a cut, right? What if we are talking about um, truly traumatic events, witnessing a death of a friend or family member or experiencing some sort of um, abuse or neglect, mm-hmm. right? And, and think about, okay, our bodies, our minds, our brains, right? We, we adapt, we adjust, we learn to cope and, and deal with things, and when we're talking about paper cuts, that's good that we learn how to handle that and cope with that and contextualize that in a way, you know, psychologically where it's not a traumatic event and we know what to do. But man, if we're, if our brains, our bodies are adapting to real, true traumas, then we, we sit parts, you know, suddenly in a position where, you know, you might be, be developing really, really unhealthy and maladaptive patterns, thoughts, behaviors, you know, emotional responses, um, attachment styles, right? Um, all kinds of things. So it, it's not only the event itself, it, it's also what happens afterwards, how people respond, how you respond, right? Yeah. That, that truly can radically impact how you're able to handle that event, but also future events. Um, so, it, you know, when you start digging into it, yeah, there's, there's big T trauma, little T trauma, but the conversation isn't as simple as that, right. you know, it oh, gets yeah. way more complex than that. Yeah. Um, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, I mean, as I look at our notes for this conversation, I'm like being drawn to like our last point here, even though it's our last point, I want to I want to go to it and then pop back up because I think where you're going is so important. Like this, um, how we, how we handle what happens in our life, these, these Mm -hmm. big events, like, cause life is rough at times. There are traumas that happen and the, there is a huge importance in how we handle those things. And then even Mm -hmm. like after something has happened, maybe it was years ago and someone is talking to you about it or bringing it up that there still can be like trauma, even years later, talk, bringing it up. Cause there's like a whole Mm -hmm. vulnerability, like opening up, talking about something and how that's handled. Um, Right. And I think it's it's like you, you had written down like, um, like not looking, stop looking at people and treating people who have experienced trauma, like they're broken. I think that's just like such a, I don't know, like a beautiful way. Like I, I, I love visioning like 
people with trauma or just brokenness in general, like just, um, like just hurts and things that have happened in life as like that. If you, if we talked about on here that like Japanese, um, art, like Japanese pots. Oh yes. So I was actually, that's what I was, I was going to bring up. I was going to mention with the, I forget what they're called, but I know exactly what you're talking about where they they're broken and then they repair them and fill in the gaps with the the gold, gold. right? Yes. And they're like even more beautiful because of it. And it's like, we look at these, these traumas, these things as these like broken pieces. And in that there's like such a um opportunity to like come together and like help them like fill in this these these pieces with 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 gold <laughs> with yeah with safety in that and I think yeah. like yeah where are you going you look like you're got no I just I, so it's interesting that your mind went there because mine did too and I'm a little torn because there's, there is this part of me that really is drawn to that sort of analogy, that idea that all of the, these things we go through in life, right. When we talk about, you know, we're all broken and we're all whatever, but that idea, uh, you know, the imagery that the pottery presents of like finding the beauty in the brokenness and, you know, there's a part of me that's really, really drawn to that. And then there's this other part of me that's like, but they're not broken at all in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, and I think, I don't think this is an either, or I think this is one of those, like it's a both and right. I think there's value in the analogy of that pottery, but I think there's also value in acknowledging that like, yes, we can find beauty in the brokenness and we can also recognize that maybe we weren't broken at all in the first place. And the things that we're finding beautiful were always there. They were always part of, of it to begin with. We just weren't able to see it yet. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I, my mind went to kind of both places. Like there's part yeah. of it that really does ring true. And then there's also this part of it that's like, but the point, the point is we're not broken at all. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's something that people, I mean, we talk about, trauma, but this can be brought into all sort of anything you go through, like mental health issues or, or whatever, like it, people who are experiencing stuff like that aren't, aren't broken. Yeah. But that's like something that might be different than what you're going through. Yeah. No, I, I love like that because that's such a care for like anyone who's, I mean, gone through anything, right? Like mm-hmm. there's um, like taking that like shame piece out, which like I know is like just blanketed over um, mental health or people who are experiencing, right. have experienced Especially trauma. trauma. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of shame sure. in talking about it or bringing it up or getting mm-hmm. help. Um, Cause we're supposed to be strong, right? We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think that maybe as like, a, like the masses that, these people aren't, we're not broken. I'm not broken because of the things that have happened to me or the things that, um, that, that, that my triggers or whatever comes with my trauma, um, Mm -hmm. that they are, but this just, it's part of me and it's things that I've grown from. And I, there is beauty that has come from that. There is those gold Mm -hmm. pieces that has come from that. Um, but But that beauty was, was always there. It Mm -hmm. just wasn't, 
visible to me. I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't need it until I was experiencing this other thing. Yeah. And that allowed me to, to see and feel and experience this part of my world or this part of my life that is really beautiful and, and what I needed at that time. Um, and I was also thinking too about, you know, I might, maybe I'll sit, hold on, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm backing up. I'm backing up. Rewind. Talking about, talking about trauma, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Talking about pottery, <laughs> talking about beauty and it's gone. I lost it. Um, but yeah, I just love that, that ability to hold things in tension and the ability to sort of accept that, you know, we're going to go through things like this sometimes, whether we want to or not. And sometimes I think we spend so much time, like you're talking about shaming and blaming ourselves or other people because of what they've been through. And 99% of the time it's things they had no control over at all. Mm, and definitely. so to shame or blame them for, for an experience they've had doesn't make sense. And what I've, I've told, you know, some of my students who shared really, really hard things with me, um, is, you know, our brains, our minds are built in such a way where we, we dislike uncertainty. We hate unknown. And we really need things to make sense. Well, that's like evolutionarily, and, right? Like I'm like picturing like the like cave people out in the wilderness, right? Like they're like... Right you know, you, you see like the wheat grass, like start to like move and your brain is saying that's a tiger. That's a tiger. That's a tiger. It's not going to say it's a bunny. It's a bunny. Right. right? Because we're going to go towards, Oh, am I in danger? Yeah. We're, we don't like the unknown. So it's going to be like danger, 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 even though we don't even know what's moving the grass. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think too, like thinking sort of with that frame of mind, the, the difficulty about trauma is not only the events themselves sometimes, because I mean, there are just those events that are truly horrible, right? And you can literally just stop there. And it, we're like, yeah, that's trauma. But I think for people who've been through trauma, sometimes the hardest part is not the event. It's what goes on in their minds after that event, because your brain, whether you want it to do this or not, will try to make sense of what has happened. And the issue, and that's great most of the time, right? The fact that our brains are designed and built in a way that they naturally have this tendency in to, to process, to, to make sense of things, right? That's great. That's what they're supposed to do. But when you come up against something, an experience that is traumatic, trauma especially big big t trauma those are events those are things experiences that by definition don't make sense right they don't fit within your worldview your understanding of how the world should operate mm-hmm. right because again 99 percent of the time there are things that shouldn't happen yeah right you shouldn't be abused by anybody you shouldn't be neglected when you're a child and you know your parents are, are aren't caring for you 
right? You shouldn't witness a horrible death of a friend or family member, right? There are things that your brain will try to make sense of and rationalize and, and figure out why they happened and, and what happened and how it happened. It, 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 but you will, you will run yourself crazy trying to make sense of it, right? And that's part of the issue with trauma is you get caught in that sort of mental cycle of trying to figure it out. And the hard, the hard truth sometimes is you're never going to. You're never going to be able to answer the question of why, why did that happen? Yeah, because I think it shouldn't have happened. And that is, right. that is a hard pill for people to accept and swallow sometimes because it's uncomfortable because it means we're gonna leave the uncertainty there and we're not gonna do anything with it. And we hate that as human beings. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, the uncertainty that, I mean, I just have, I'm thinking of like so many clients that just come in and they're like, I just wanna know why, I just wanna know why, I just, know, I just wanna know why. Yeah. And they're like, I, I don't we have all the answer know, right? for you. I, I don't have the answer for you. And it's like, I, w- I really, really wish, and I'll even say like, I wish I could put my magic fairy wand and like bop you on the head and like give you all the answers and give you all of the, you know, just the confidence and everything that you need. Um, and what has, and what I believe like would is the most helpful part in all of this is to be able to, to talk about this with a safe person, like a therapist or a school counselor to, um, have the opportunity to start to unpack this. I think a lot of the times these, these people like my clients and, and Kendall, I don't, no, at, at the age that you're at, if this happens to it, these people have been walking around mm-hmm. with their trauma as a backpack or, mm-hmm. and it's just been really, really heavy and it's been getting heavier and heavier. And I keep, I always say like, it's gotten to the point where it's like oozing, it's smelly. It's like, it's growing. Yeah. Like there's like a fungus, like it's, it's so uncomfortable now to, to keep mm-hmm. carrying it while we're going through all of these other things in life that now we have to like slowly start to like turn around, take the backpack off and like start to process these things and unpack these things and and look at this stuff that's, that's growing and, and, and coming from this event that has happened maybe 10, 20 years ago. Um, Yeah. Well, not to mention the, the sort of global trauma we all went through being isolated from each other. Right. And that only makes it worse with some of these other things. Um, you know, and yeah, I definitely, I definitely see the kids, um, that their trauma has been unaddressed and, you know, I, I work in a very high need building, right? So I've got a lot of kids who come from a lot of really, really hard backgrounds, um, and kids who've been through things, kids, uh, 12, 13, 14 year olds who have lived more life than I have, right? Like they, they've been through way more than most of the adults I've, I know um, and, and things that nobody should ever have to go through. Um, and, you know, I've got those kids that their trauma has been this burden they've been carrying and it's been a part of them for so long and they've never, they've never taken the backpack off to see what's yeah. inside. Yeah. And then I've also got the kids that were carrying around for so long and then quarantine hit 
right? And for the first time in a long time, they were able to put it down because they didn't have to be around people all the time. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to carry it anywhere. So they could put it down. And then when they started coming back to school, when things started opening up again, they had to pick it back up. And they had gotten so used to not having it, that having to pick it back up, it it was like they were being re-traumatized again, right? It was like like they were having to, you know, adjust to it, figure it all out again. Yeah, I also Um, think at at the school, like, there's... I mean, I think some of this trauma, some of these things that are happening are, could be still happening on a day-to-day basis. And it's not safe. It's not safe to right. take that backpack off or start to process right. that stuff. That's something that's going to, you know, we're, we're just finding those like coping mechanisms and finding those things that just keep us safe and keep that backpack bundled up and, and maybe talk to somebody just to like lighten the load for a little bit or, right. or have someone carry, you know, it for a bit, but it's not just not safe to process it. And I think that's something that we really uh-huh. have to take into account. Um, even, even in like adulthood, like, are we in like a safe enough relationship where like, we can start to process this and feel the emotional, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the emotional hangover from processing things like this and bring these things back up. Um, right. even if they happened yeah. for so long ago, well, and so it makes it it's interesting when you said that it made me think of a student that I, I have that I've met with a number of times um, because she really, really struggles with sort of emotion regulation. And, um, you know, she came in one time and was really struggling, um, kind of, you know, somewhere near panic attack area, hyperventilating, you know, some of that stuff. And so, you know, we, we kind of calmed down and we, we, I chatted with her for a minute about like, you know, when that happens, you know, what do you normally do? How do you kind of respond? If you notice that you're starting to feel that way, what do you, how do you, how can you handle that? What can you do? Um, because you know, and I, I think we've mentioned on this podcast before, the the difference in role between a, a school counselor versus a therapist, like what what realistically I'm able to accomplish when I meet with a kid versus what you might be able to accomplish when you're meeting with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the difference in in what our, our role and function looks like, right? And it's actually convenient. We're using the back analogy, right? That, you know, to me, one of the best ways to think about it is you know, everybody's got their baggage, those bags, backpacks they carry around with them with all their stuff, right? And for me and my, what I, you know, my role is a lot of the time is my job is not to help kids take that bag off and open it up and see what's inside and dig around in there and, you know, talk about it all. My job is, is to help kids learn how to carry it around, mm-hmm. right? And if things fall out because they will, mm-hmm. yeah, how to talk them through and help them figure out how to get that stuff back in the bag in a way that they're going to be able to manage, right. And that they can handle and, and be able to to live with the bag, right. Mm -hmm. Not to, not to dig into what's inside it, but to just be able to live with the bag and to understand you're always going to have the bag. Right. Right. But how can, how can we be okay with that? How can we handle that? Right. And there are absolutely times I wish I could dig into the bag with kids, but this is a kid that was really going through something. And as I was talking to her about like, you know, again, how do you carry the bag? How do you, what do you do in those situations? She was getting 
more and more irritated and frustrated with me. And finally, just screamed at me, I don't need more coping skills. Aww. <laughs> and I, I stopped and I was like, okay. You know, that's fine. Yeah. If, if you don't need, if you've got coping skills and you don't need to talk through any of that with me, that's fine. But that was a kid, you know, very clearly, again, highlighted that idea that like, when you're dealing with something, and that is a kid that I would wager has been through quite, you know, some trauma at the very least. Um, but a, a coping skill isn't going to help with trauma mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, that's not to say that coping skills and things like that aren't helpful. Right. But they're not a solution to trauma. <laughs> you no. know, no. they're not going to get rid of the trauma. Yeah. And, and I think that's what is so hard sometimes for, for people who haven't been through those really traumatic things to, to mm-hmm. grasp is you don't just get rid of trauma. It's a part of you. It's, it's something that you're going to carry with you the rest of your life. And so we, we're not going to be able to, to remove it, to fight it, right? Yeah. The more we try and fight it, the worse it becomes for us. Mm-hmm. So how do we accept that that's something that we've been through and that's that's part of who we are. That's shaped and informed who we are, but not let it control our life. Not let it control everything we do, yeah. right? And that's the weird tension um, that that you know I, I see and I feel a lot of times with some kids is for some of them their trauma dominates them. And it controls what they do. It controls who they are right now. And for some of them, like, how could it not, right? You've been through so much that mm-hmm. I, I absolutely don't, don't fault you or don't, you know, blame you or, or don't, I, I don't know. I, I know the right phrase I'm looking for, but like, it makes sense to me why trauma would dominate them and who they are and the way they're living right now and how they respond and react and, process and handle situations because put anybody else in that position and they'd be in the same boat. Right. But unfortunately it sucks. Right. Cause we don't like that as an answer. We want solutions. We want to fix stuff. And trauma is just one of those things. We want, we want the band-aids. We want the band-aids to like fix the like, oozing sore right the very right. or we want the the surgery to just take it out yeah or, yeah or just take it out right yeah well we'll go we'll go through um yeah I'll take the coping so I'll learn a new thing and it'll be good yeah. but I can take it out and that, that's and and yeah. sadly like I one of my supervisors she says like we can't go over it we can't go around it like we gotta go under it we mm-hmm. gotta go through it we gotta walk um walk back down, like walk out, walk into this backpack and start to process that. And I think that's something like as school counselors, like, yeah, it's like, you can't, we can't do that in like a seven hour school day when you got 500 kids in your caseload and you're trying to like juggle so many other things, right. We gotta, we gotta figure out how to zip up that backpack and go, go to math class. Right. Cause you're at school. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a very big difference about like school counseling versus like sitting in 50 minute counseling sessions. Right. With someone who's like, okay, like 
I'm at a place where this is a safe space for 50 minutes where I can take out this backpack. And at the end of session, this therapist, this person is going to help me put everything back in, zip it back up so I can get in my car and drive home or go pick up my kids right. or go to work or go do whatever else that I have to do for that day. Right. And maybe we'll find some things in the backpack that I can, yeah. you know, put in the trash before I leave. So I don't have to carry those things around, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's, that's why I, I, I think I've gotten some pushback from people when I've made this comment, but I, I look at school counselors as I consider school counselors, mental health professionals, um, in the same way that you would consider like an EMT sort of like a emergency response, like medical professional right now, are they doctors? Are they the surgeon that's going to, you know, perform the bypass, the cardiac bypass? And no, of course they're not. But are they the person who's going to be on the scene and make sure that the person is stable so that they can be brought to the hospital to the surgeon who will do the surgery? Yeah. Yes. Right. It's, it's that concept of like, I'm not going to have a kid in my office and do a, a therapy session with them. Right. Right. Cause that's not my job. Right. Um, now am I confident and qualified? Yes. But is it my job in that situation? No. Right. But I do need to be able to respond and, and know what to do in moments when a kid does get triggered, when they do get upset, when, when they do kind of lose it in that moment and the trauma takes over, right. It, it's my job, my, my obligation, my responsibility to know how to help that kid. Yep. Right. And, and be able to help them notice, Hey man, looks like that bag came unzipped. Yeah. And it looks like there's a lot of things that have kind of spilled out here. Yeah. I think you know, like what you were saying earlier, can, like can you help me, can, yeah, I, can and, I help you figure out how to get them back in there? Yeah, in a and way I think, that's going to be, be a, you're being able to manage. Right. And I think what you said earlier like, about that, that coming from that with like no judgment with like the understanding of like, okay, this is, this isn't just a backpack. Like this is something like really scary, really difficult, really hard that has like been triggered and like has been brought up. And like, I'm mm-hmm. coming at you with no judgment, no shame around like maybe the behavior that came from that. Mm-hmm. But like, I get it. Like, this is hard. And it makes sense that we would do this, that we would feel mm-hmm. so freaked out and like panicky or, or destructive or whatever the behavior that came from that is. Um, it, it just makes sense that we would do that because we're, we're feeling triggered by whatever has happened in the past or these things that keep happening in our, in our life. Um, and I yeah. think that that's probably the, the piece. I mean, even just for like general public, like people are doing things because it makes sense in their brain right because of because of past trauma because of past hurts because of whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. um they're doing so because in some level it makes them feel safe it has helped them or has like kept them safe at one point and that's the part of sort of me and my sort of theoretical bent, right? That I, I have a little bit of this sort of psychoanalytic bent in, mm-hmm. in how I, I understand and approach situations, understand things, right? And that's part of it where it doesn't have to make sense to me why 
you know, uh, the client or the student or whoever is doing what they're doing. Right. But it does make sense to them. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I really look at my, whether they're my aware job of it in some or, of those situations. Whether they're aware yeah. of it or not, it does. It, it might not make sense to them yeah. on a conscious level. Right. They might not right. be aware. Exactly. The fact that that makes sense in their world. But I really try and, and approach it from that situation of like something about what they're doing mm-hmm. really tracks for them. Yep. It makes sense to them why they're responding that way, whether they're aware of that or not. And so what am I missing? If I don't understand it, what am I missing about what's going on? You know, like, is there more going on outside of of school that I'm aware of? Is there something else going on? Is it bigger than they're telling me or that they're aware of, right? You know, I want to get into their world in a way where I get the the view of, of the situation so that I'm, I'm able to more clearly see how it makes sense because it does, mm-hmm. you know, it does. And I think one of the hardest, you know, tensions or, or whatever I felt in my role in the school is that tension of really trying to get inside the head of or, or understand a kid in a way from that side of it, where I really am trying to understand the behavior or what's going on for them in a way where I'm able to help them while also still holding them accountable to sort of the expectations of, of being in a school. And that's one of the hard things about, you know, working in a school is you kind of have to play both of those roles sometimes. Like, we do, we're not disciplinary figures as school counselors, but I do hold kids accountable to, you know, what the expectations are or things they can and cannot do. Right. And so yeah, there, I may, there are I may help a kid natural, work with a kid. natural consequences for our behaviors. Yeah. Right. And that's just yeah. life. And that's right. a hard truth. I mean, I think even like working with like infidelity couples, like Okay, like, yeah, like you probably cheated on your wife because you felt insecure about something that might have happened 20 years ago. But like, right. the, you know, I, that, that makes sense, right? That that might happen. Right. But right. we can see the line. The repercussions. We can track it. We can say, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But the repercussions of having an affair are that we're in counseling now that our wife is very upset with us that we have a big, you know, break in this relationship. There's, there's distrust, there's betrayal, like, all these things are yeah. here, right? And right. You just, can't, because just that, because it makes sense doesn't mean it was okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's that, that, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of, you know, as we're, we're wrapping up here, like there was a couple things that I wanted to, to touch on, right? And a, a big one is that trauma, trauma's, and we use this literally about mental health in general, right? But trauma is not an excuse, it's context. Yeah. Right? It, it helps us get a better picture or understanding of what's going on. It doesn't excuse what happened or the result of it, right? Just because you've been through trauma doesn't mean that if you get triggered and are unfaithful to a spouse or commit a crime or punch a classmate or whatever it doesn't mean that that was okay that's not suddenly excused 
or, you know, the thing that I run into with teachers a lot is, um, you know, well, the kid, like they're not doing any homework, not doing anything in class, or they're, you know, being really destructive, or they're just, you know, being hurtful to other students or whatever, right? And then I start talking about trauma, I get some eye rolls, and I'm like, listen, I'm not excusing the, the trauma, the, the mental health doesn't excuse what they're doing. It helps us understand where it's coming from and how we can address it, how we can respond to it in a way where we're responding to the actual problem rather than the thing that we don't like. Yeah. You know, and if we're going to say we care about our students, our clients, our, our friends, family, then we need to, to come at it with more of this empathetic bent, this angle, this approach to say, listen, I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. I might be really hurt by it. And we can talk about that. But to be able to talk about that, I think there's something else going on that maybe we need to, to you know, unpack here. Yeah. And like through that, you're like, we're humanizing each other yeah. and that's building. Like we all connection. go through things. Yeah. Right? And, that's- and with some of the, you know, especially younger clients, and younger kids, you know, helping them learn that accountability piece, because that's, I don't know if you've had this experience or you've talked to people, but it, teenagers right now, accountability is like not a thing for them. They don't get it. It's really hard. Right. And so taking ownership of your own actions I mean, it's hard for everybody in general, right? <laughs> but I think a lot of kids, especially in my experience and from what I've heard from other people are really struggling with that right now. And again, if you think about it, because they haven't really had to be around people for so long and they, there really wasn't a lot of accountability because there wasn't a lot they were doing. And so they didn't have to be accountable for a lot of stuff for a long time. And so helping them see and understand like, I care about you and I care about what's going on and I care about all of these really, really hard things and I want to be there and help you unpack those. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to excuse this stuff either, right? I, I can both care about you and hold you accountable Yeah. to a mistake you've made or something hurtful you did or whatever, right? I can, we can do both of those things at the same time. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. That's hard to do. Yeah, it's that tension and, and again. You really like, need, this is, yeah. You really need, people in your life, counselors, therapists, whoever, teachers, friends, who are willing to do that with you. Because it it takes a very brave and strong friend or person to say, you did something that was hurtful to me I I was really hurt by that thing you did. And I care more about you and our relationship than I do about my hurt right now. And so let's talk about that. And then we could talk about how and why I might've been hurt. Because I want to talk about that too. But it seems like, you know, there's something else going here that we need to talk about first, right? It's that, it is that tension, but it's, it is a, a rare person that is able to kind of sit with you in that tension. Um, but those are, those are really important people to have in your life. Um, so there was that piece of it. And then, you know, we've already kind of alluded to this, but 
you know, when when we think about that that question that you know you you know you're going to get from anybody as soon as you start talking about this, I was like, well, what do we do about it then? Like, if it's so hard, if it causes all these issues, and if you can't change it, if there's nothing you can do about it, that, what what do we do about it? Right? How do you how do you address it? How do you solve it? How do you whatever? And you know, the thing that I always go back to telling people is it starts with your relationship with that person, that kid, that that client, whatever. It starts with that, right? You, they, they have to know that you're safe, that they can trust you, that you're reliable, that you're not going to abandon them, that they can share the heaviest, hardest parts of who they are with you. And you're not going to reject them for it. And you're not going to judge them for it. You're not going to shut them down or tell them that's gross or that's dirty or I don't want to hear that. They have to know that you're going to be a person that is, is going to be open and safe and receptive to, to all of who they are and be able to sit with them in that as they try to unpack it and understand it themselves. Um, but then, of course, you have people who are like, okay, but what do you do? And what does that mean? And it's like, did you not hear what I just said? I said it's the relationship. Does that kid know you care about them? What do you, what do, you do to show them that you care? And if you're doing things, are they receiving it as care? How do you know that when you do that, that they're interpreting that as you caring about them? Have you ever asked them, you know? Attachment uh, is everything. <laughs> it's just that, that relationship, that connection that, mm-hmm. you know, I think people make it so complicated. They, and again, I work in a school, which is really interesting for me because so many people in school are like, well, I, they want action steps, right? They want, they want to do things, right? Which I get, right? There are times when I, I want that too, but I'm also very much more of a person that's like, sometimes it's not about action steps. You know, it, sometimes it's, it's about small, small ways of, of noticing people around you and being intentional with them and going out of your way to make sure that you're communicating care in a way that is meaningful to them. Um, You know, one of the things I tell teachers a lot is, do you notice them? What are are you doing to notice them? And I don't mean, you know, are you monitoring their grades and communicating that? Are you telling them when they're missing assignments? I mean, do you notice what shoes they're wearing? Do you notice if they get a haircut? Do you notice if, you know, they're a little more upset than usual or happier than usual? Do you tell them if you like a shirt they're wearing? You know, it's those details that we think are so insignificant and small. Um, And I think people are so quick to jump to, well, they know I care about them. Yeah. How could they not? Right. And, and you hear that from parents, you hear that from spouses, you hear that from whoever. It's like, well, of course they know that. I'm like, well, okay, how? How do they know that? Yeah. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's see like the whole human, not just the student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think again, this just all goes back to that. Like, let's see this whole person. Like, this, this trauma doesn't make them broken. This trauma doesn't 
um, it's just, it's just a part of who they are as those entire human and they're, um, it might just help us understand them and like, yeah, and take them in, in as more human. Um, right. I think that, I, I think that's where we should end. <laughs> Let's cool. all view each other as more human. I have issues. You have issues. We all have issues. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, a weird version of uh, you get a car. Blanking it. You get a car. No, no. <laughs> That's I'm where thinking, I was going. What is that? Um, I am at Barney. Barney. It's like a, I feel like that would be a Barney song. Like you have issues. I have issues. We all have issues. We all have issues. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Now, My, so we gotta. We gotta end it. We're get. <laughs> we gotta wrap this up. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate the support. We're glad to be back. Um, and hopefully we'll be back on the train of putting out episodes more regularly again. It's yeah. Been, it's been, feel, it's been a while, but we're back. Yeah. And please feel free to rate us. Cause I think that helps something. Some rate algorithm. You subscribe. Somewhere. I don't know. People much more tech savvy than us can probably tell you why that matters, but I don't know. I've well, if you made it, it this far, we really appreciate you. And... We love you guys. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye.